Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. Yesterday, Ford Motor Company held its 2021 Capital Markets Day outlining its strategy in electric vehicles for the next decade. Motley Fool senior auto analyst John Rosevere joins the show today to break it all down. John, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. I'm glad to be here. Uh, some exciting Ford news to talk about, if Ford is the kind of news that excites you. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been following Ford for, for a long time. I'm sure you've seen a number of these events. This feels like it was a big one yesterday, laying out the EV strategy. How does it stack up against previous events that you've watched or attended? Uh, it's it, it's on the top five, probably. I mean, I've been covering Ford for the Fool for about 11 years now. Uh, there was another event much like this in 2017 or 2018 where they said, okay, we are moving into electric vehicles. We are moving into autonomous. And now this is, this is really uh, everything they haven't said since then. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, they're making a big commitment and, and there's a lot to go over here uh, for Ford investors or for people who are considering becoming Ford investors. And this might be a good time to be considering that. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. They really, uh, it, different from the way things have been done at Ford for the last couple of years, they really showed us a lot of their cards yesterday. And it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, so, so we'll get into some of that. Clearly, the market is excited about this news. So the stock was up over 8% yesterday. I checked this morning, it was up another 7%. So what's getting the market so excited, John? What were these big headline announcements? There's a couple of pieces of it. The first is the electric vehicle piece, which uh, you know everybody was anticipating. Ford said, you know, they they didn't come out like GM did and said we're hoping to sell all electric vehicles by 2035, but they did say we expect 40% of our global vehicle volume to be all electric, uh, no, not hybrid or anything else, no hedging there, all battery electric uh, by 2030, uh, and they are going to they have raised their planned spending on electric vehicles and related technologies to over 30. Billion by mid-decade, uh, which is up from 22 billion, which was the last number they gave us several months ago, which was up from 12 billion, which was the number they gave us at that presentation a couple of years ago. Uh, there are again a lot of pieces of this, a lot of new models coming. Uh, also, they are developing their own proprietary batteries, a couple different types of batteries, and a couple different types of architectures, which is different from what we've heard from some other companies. Like GM is one battery, one architecture. Ford is uh, separating out architecture architectures for for big trucks and big SUVs versus you know crossovers and cars uh, and also batteries, uh, which might best be thought of as retail versus fleet. Um, the, the, they're doing a lower cost battery that holds up to fleet duty cycles better, uh, as well as a, a sort of premium retail battery for people who want the you know who who are, want the longer range and so forth. Uh, it's an interesting strategy. Uh, it's typically Ford in that they've put a lot of thought into the actual needs of their commercial customers, uh, for sure. And there's a lot more to talk about that too. But the, those are the big pieces. Uh, I suppose the third big piece is that they are, um, as we move into this electric connected era, really sort of putting a corporate frame around their commercial vehicle business. Uh, it, it's it's you know it's not a spinoff, but it's a business within the business. They named a CEO Ted Canis, who's a rising star at Ford, very high energy guy. We'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, for all of the 
trucks and delivery vans and other things that they sell to commercial and government fleets. And, and they think that's a business where they can really grow the top and bottom line over the next four or five years. Yeah, so we'll get into the Ford Pro stuff here in a minute. Lots of exciting things on, on electric vehicles. I want to start out with with Ford Plus. So, so Ford's calling their their new strategy Ford Plus. P- p- you know, bringing out some more of these services, analytics type type things. And to me, you, you, you hear Disney Plus out there, Apple Plus out there, getting more involved into services. How do you compare and contrast Ford Plus <laughs> with what we're seeing from all the other Plus companies out there? Okay, let's back up. How does Ford make money today? For the most part, uh, they sell you a car, a truck, or an SUV, and you know they they wish you luck and say goodbye. And maybe you come back to the dealer for service, and if you you know you have a clunk in the suspension or whatever. Uh, but mostly, you know, you just go drive your car, and Ford hopes you come back in three, four, five, seven years to get another one. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, the thing about EVs and not just EVs, but this new architecture they're putting in vehicles uh, that aren't all just EVs uh, are also some of like the, the, the new Ford F-150 has it, uh, even the internal combustion versions. Uh, it's a much more sophisticated uh sort of electrical computing architecture is the way to think about it. Instead of having all these little processors around the vehicles like automakers have done for years, they have basically one big computer and it's wired in and the computer uh, can connect wirelessly, uh, not, not just for, you know, connectivity, but also over the air updates, subscription services, and so forth. And in addition, uh, the communication goes two ways. Uh, Ford can, to some extent, diagnose vehicle problems using this system now remotely, uh, which is which is uh, opens up a whole nother uh, door for them. Broadly, what they want to do is basically have a a constant contact relationship with the customer going forward. Uh, They're going to have a million of these vehicles with this new architecture on the road by the end of this year, 33 million by 2028. Uh, And this opens uh, doors for for app-based services, uh, you know, where you can... Schedule service with an app. You can find out what's going on with your car with an app. You can upgrade features. You can buy the highway driving system that's coming or added on, uh, and so forth. And and this is going with another model where they they want dealers moving to uh, for small repairs. The dealer comes to you. You schedule it, and they come do it in your driveway. It's all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, they're talking about having third-party app developers perhaps in this. Uh, they've got Google functionality. They've got Amazon Alexa functionality. They've got Apple CarPlay functionality uh, all in this. Uh, it's it's heavily Google, but it's also heavily Ford. Uh, they 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 have a robust software team now, and, and they're doing uh, a lot of this work. And the, part, so part of the plus, to go back to the question, uh, is that, they don't just sell you the car. They sell you all these services and so forth that maybe you subscribe to along the way. They stay in contact with you along the way, uh, which not only creates revenue streams for them over the life of the car, but also makes it more likely, assuming the services are good and Ford treats you well, that you'll come back and buy another one when it's time to buy it. You know, it helps to lock in customer loyalty, they hope. Uh, you know, they're talking about moving away from build and sell to enduring customer relationships. And this is not just uh, on the retail side, but also on the commercial fleet side. They're offering all new software packages uh, that have functionality that maybe has been out of the 
out of the price range of small and medium-sized fleet operators, people with 20 trucks, uh, you know, people with 10,000 trucks can buy these huge logistics packages. They're building some of this into the vehicle and selling it kind of as an ongoing upgrade. So take all that together and those ongoing revenue streams, that's the plus. Uh, that's the software and services on top of the hardware. So yeah, it is kind of like Apple Plus. <laughs> it's, you know, it, 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 it is not completely different from Apple Plus to answer your question. Right. We're taking these existing kind of hardware-based revenue streams and attaching services over the top, trying to deepen the, the relationship, right? So, so maybe you're interacting with that app on a, on a regular basis versus you come into the dealership once every three to five years or what have you. So you mentioned Ford Pro and that strategy where this really starts to sing, I think, is, is in that, that commercial vehicle strategy and Ford Pro, the services they can offer to some of those customers. What is Ford laying out there and what's the thesis, thesis behind that, that part of the business? Well, their thesis, first of all, is that they are the market leader in commercial vehicles, by which we mean, you know, pickups, transit vans, the small vans, and so forth. Uh, in some countries, it's Rangers, not F, F series. Uh, they are the market leader in in that kind of business in North America and in Europe, and they have a good presence in China. They're not the market leader in China, but they have a good presence, a growing presence. Uh, and and this is good, profitable business that they want to defend from the likes, not so much of Tesla, but from companies like maybe Lordstown or, you know, who are a startup building a commercial pickup truck or work, Workhorse Group building a, a commercial electric delivery van. Uh, you know, they, they want to come out and say, hey, we're the market leader. You should be doing business with us, fleets that have heavy installed uh, you know, Ford vehicles, they may own 50, they may own 100, they may own 500, they may own 5,000. Uh, Ford says their fleet customers tend to replace place 10 to 15% of the fleet per year. They want it to, they want to make it super easy for them to come to Ford and buy the electric and it merges, merges and meshes seamlessly with their existing uh, internal combustion Fords uh, in terms of operations, in terms of software, in terms of service, in terms of who do you call when there's a problem, all of that. Uh, they think that's a big opportunity for them. And that as they add these additional software, fleet logistics, fleet management, uh, charging services, and so forth, that they can make a significant uh, gain in, in revenue uh, and profit from, from their existing commercial fleet business while defending it from new entrants. So it's both sides of that. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things, you know, you talk about uh, some of these older automakers and, and you know Teslas going away from the the dealership model. I think in in this instance, in this in this commercial fleet side of the business, that's where the dealership really can provide a significant advantage for Ford relative to, to some, relative to some other folks out there, just because you can't have these vehicles not being serviced very very quickly and back on on the market. So, how do you think Ford's advantage there plugs into to where they can build out this pro business? It's absolutely huge. I mean, as the Ford people say over and over, uptime is everything. You know, if the vehicle's not running, it's not earning money today. And if you're a smaller, mid-sized business, that, you know, one vehicle down is a dent. Uh, and yes, it's dealers. It's also Ford itself. Uh, it's also uh, what they call upfitters. Um, when you see a, a Ford-based truck come from the phone company and it's got work boxes on the back, if they come to put in your windshield and it's got a special rack to hold windshields on the back, but it's a Ford-based chassis, uh, you know that's part of what they're protecting too. The new electric transit and the new electric F-150, uh, they can take all of the existing parts. As Ford says, they have the same attachment points as the existing internal combustion models. So all that equipment will transfer over. It can be unbolted and bolted right back on the new electric vehicle. Uh, that's important. Uh, 
you know, the, but to the dealer relationships, yes, that's also super important. Getting these vehicles serviced quickly using apps, using software to diagnose problems in the vehicle, maybe while it's still out running its daily route and say, oh, yeah, you know, it's showing a sensor problem. He can get through the route and get back to get back to base, but we'll need somebody to come over and look at it tonight or something. And they can set that up on the fly as they're going. You know, maybe the driver reports a problem and maybe it's just a an alert that comes up in, in you know, the dispatcher software, you know, truck 32 needs a needs needs a, a service visit quick and and you know you can set that up on the fly uh there may even be a way where that that sort of pings the dealer too and says okay you know you may get a call on this uh there is a lot of this sort of thing uh that is that ford is already shipping uh and that they're going to significantly upgrade and again this is recurring revenue this is you know they are not they are not a groundbreaker in this space because this kind of software exists, but as they point out, it's mostly used by large fleet operators. And Ford says, that's fine when we sell Fords to large fleet operators that will work with that software. It's not a problem. But they have a big opportunity, they think, with the smaller and mid-sized fleets. Uh, a lot of their customers, a lot of their commercial customers uh, who don't have access to those kinds of big software packages, if they can just get it, you know, one by one as they buy the new trucks and, and you know, for a modest fee uh, that's affordable to them and scaled to their business, they think that's a that's a big opportunity for them because there isn't really anybody in that space who can do it the way they can. Yeah, so, so you mentioned the, the new uh, electric truck that Ford revealed, the F-150 Lightning. That's gotten a ton of headlines um, in the past few weeks. Of course, the F-Series, highest selling vehicle in, in North America. How does the F-150 Lightning plug into the strategy? And, and what do you think about the potential for that vehicle more broadly? Uh, well, I think the potential is is huge. I think there. I think the world has been waiting for it. Uh, Ford will tell you that particularly their fleet customers have been waiting for it. That they are uh, under some pressure, regulatory pressure in some states, uh, but also corporate pressures, internal pressures to to green up, to go to more sustainable solutions, to go to more zero emission solutions. Uh, and this is something again, it fits right in. You know, starting next year, we can ship you electric pickups, zero emissions. Uh, they're easy to recharge. It has a ton of features where it can charge on AC power uh, so that commercial customers don't have to dig trenches and install new equipment to do DC fast charging and so forth. Uh, they can do all of this. They can just plug into their existing systems with some simple electrical upgrades back at base or whatever, or you know, the driver can take it home. There are some businesses where the driver takes the truck or the delivery van home at night. They can recharge it for its chargers. Uh, we'll note how much is going to the to the truck? Uh, how much electricity is going to the truck? And then you know, make sure that the driver gets reimbursed for that portion of their electric bill. Uh, you know, they've thought this out really thoroughly. Ford says they've spent three years scoping all this, and you can really see it. Uh, it is huge. Um, it's there's also a more subtle part to this strategy, which is that Ford knows it can sell this truck. Uh, right now, certainly when it ships next spring, uh, to a lot of its fleet customers. Uh, retail is, has been a little more of, of, you know, an uncertain thing. We don't know how retail electric vehicle adoption is going. Certainly early reservations on the F-150 have been very promising. Uh, but, but the more subtle thing is, I, I think Ford sees an opportunity. You get people driving the electric transit, the electric F-150 at work. And they come home and say, you know, the electric vehicle's really nice. The thing's got great torque. It's got great pickup. It's quiet. Uh, you know, everything works really well. Uh, maybe we want one of those. Maybe I want one of those as my personal truck. Maybe, you know, when friends ask me, are these electric vehicles for me? And you can say, yeah, I drive one at work. It's great. So there is there is that sort of 
word of mouth into audiences that buy a lot of trucks, perhaps, that will benefit Ford uh, over time as well. It, it is a big deal. The F-150 is a huge part of that. But don't sleep on also the electric transit, which is uh, coming later this year and and is really, really optimized for fleet use. They looked at, you know, how much range do our guys really need? We'll give them some, our customers, how much do they really need? We'll give them some extra, but I forget what it is. It's like 180 miles of range they're putting in the van. And the first thing all the Tesla fans say, ha ha, that's nothing. And then Ford says, well, if I tell you the average, you know, van driver in our customer base, and we have, you know, thousands and thousands of these that we track, drives 125 miles a day. Why do they need any more? They just need to be able to plug it every night and in every night and have it ready to go in the morning. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's a really thoroughly thought out product, tools for jobs. Uh, and this is all, again, under the Ford Pro uh, brand sort of subgroup within Ford that, that, that Ted Canis is running. Yeah, uh, one other thing, you, you know, while we're on the topic of the, the new F-150 Lightning, you mentioned earlier Ford kind of defending its territory against some of these new entrants. You know, Lordstown Motor is one example that's that's looked to come to market. You've had Tesla uh, with, with with their uh, their Cybertruck. How do you think about what the competitive landscape is starting to look out look like in this EV truck uh, uh, market? On the commercial side, good luck competing with Ford unless unless you're General Motors. Uh, good luck competing with Ford. Um, you know, the odds that a commercial fleet buyer is going to take a chance on an untested company, an untested product, uh, when they know they can get a Ford next spring. Yeah, that's not, they, I, I think the, the, the bull case for Lordstown now has some very big problems because their whole bet is not, was that they could get some share in commercial vehicles, electric pickup trucks specifically before the big guys got there. And now that doesn't, that doesn't look so good on, on the retail side. It's a much more interesting picture. I, I you know, that's not where Lordstown is going. It is where Rivian is going at the higher end with a, a truck in the 70, $80,000 space. It's a sort of a luxury truck. It's a little smaller than an F-150, uh, their pickup. They also do an SUV, um, on the same architecture, on the same skateboard, as we say now, uh, I, I think I think the F one fifty will challenge them a little bit at the high end because, of course, as Ford does, they're selling you know the retail truck will come in several different tiers, including a loaded out luxury tier that will go up around ninety thousand dollars with you know fancy leather seats and the great stereo and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Tesla to me is somewhat of a question mark in the middle there. Uh, you know, I look at the Cybertruck and I say that is really, really, really not tailored for fleet use. I mean, I'm sure somebody will buy 10 of them to, you know, deliver pizzas in or whatever, but it's not, you know, when you look at what the commercial vehicle business is in North America and Europe, uh, the Cybertruck doesn't fit into there at all. So that's a real question mark to me. Um, you know, they've talked about a $40,000 price point. That would certainly be, you know, lower, but I, I still think this is a niche product for, for Tesla fans rather than something that's going to actually seriously threaten vehicles like the F-150 and like GM's pickups, uh, Stellantis's Ram pickups and so forth. Uh, so that that's where I'm seeing it right now. You know, we'll, we'll find out how this all goes in a year or so, though, when these trucks actually come to market, assuming they do. I think it's a fair prediction that the cable guy is not going to be driving up in a, in a cyber truck in, in the near future. But but you know what? I'm I'm I would. I would love a world where that happens. Wouldn't that be a crazy world if, if all the cable guys were driving, <laughs> were driving Tesla Cybertrucks? Um, so we've talked about kind of the competitive landscape, the, the the strategy that Ford has laid out in electric vehicles, how it is potentially opening up some more of these, these service type revenues for Ford, which can be higher margin. When you think about the business 
earnings, valuation. How does this change what Ford looks like as a business, say, five years in the future? First of all, it gives me comfort that they're going to be around five years in the future, that they have a credible plan to to go through this transition that the whole industry is transitioning is going through. Because I think there are automakers that will get left behind here. Uh, Ford is saying very confidently and very credibly, no, we're not going to be one of them. We're going to defend our turf in trucks. We're going to defend our turf in in you know vans and SUVs and so forth, where we are strong, and we're going to do it with with got to have products that that have a lot of emotion to them that happen to be electric that are that that use electric uh capabilities electric drivetrain to offer new advantages and new features for customers and this is this has been the ford party line for a few years now but now in products like the lightning uh the mach e we're really starting to see you know that there is substance where the talk has been uh and i think yesterday they came out and talked to a bunch of Wall Street analysts and said, okay, $30 billion, we're spending this. Uh, we're not going to tell you the whole product plan in detail, but we are going to tell you there is a, you know, there are vehicles in the pipe that look like Fords and and you know there will be one that's a rugged off-roader. And and they didn't say Bronco, but you can think that really loud. There will be an explorer, an electric explorer. There will be an electric Lincoln aviator. Uh, you know, this is this is going to go into a lot of their popular products, they're going to have an electric version and they're going to have it in the next four or five years, uh, maybe sooner. Uh, what we what we know is that the platforms they're talking about, those two architectures, one for trucks and one for uh, you know crossovers and cars, uh, the crossover and cars one that will come by mid-decade is an evolution of the architecture under the Mach-E today. Uh, the truck one will be new. Uh, the the F-150 Lightning uh, that will debut next year is is derived from the existing internal combustion F-150. Uh, there will be an all-new one around 2025 that will be built on this new uh, pure electric from the ground up architecture. Uh, I don't think that's that means that the uh, the current Lightning is a compromised product because, I mean, they really went down to the frame rails and built a whole new electric vehicle around it. What it means is they can optimize some things uh, for scale uh, that will be leveraged you know, with their other large vehicles, with things like Transit, with maybe their big SUVs and so forth. Um, what they're saying uh, is, first of all, that this whole Ford Pro thing uh, there in tw- 2019, they they generated about 27 billion in revenue from commercial vehicles. They expect by 2025, with all of these new products and adjacent services and so forth, the software we talked about, that'll be more like 45 billion. Uh, and the margin on that should be pretty good too. Uh, the other thing they did is they've said for a while that they're targeting an 8% global par- profit margin, uh, EBIT margin, operating margin. Uh, Globally, uh, 6% in Europe, 10% in the U.S. What they said Wednesday, though, uh, was actually new, and they said, we're going to do that by 2023. And Wall Street said, oh, okay. And now, sort of the larger frame for this is that Ford got a new CEO in October, Jim Farley, a longtime Ford executive, who took over uh, from Jim Hackett, uh, who was Steelcase's CEO for many years before coming to Ford and was very much a tech futurist kind of guy. Uh, and I think there was a sense that Hackett did not give Wall Street as clear a picture as he could have uh, and did not perhaps tell the story of Ford as well as he could have. Uh, one of the things Farley is doing is changing that, and he's changing it in a big way. And I think that right there is bullish for them to come out and say, yeah, we're not just throwing these margin numbers around. We're going to do this in two years. 
and we're on track to do it in two years, and we may well beat it. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing Wall Street analysts want to hear. Um, because uh, Farley has put together a good team, a credible team with good track records. And there's a sense now, I think, on Wall Street, reading some of the analyst notes that came out uh, late yesterday and this morning, uh, that this is really credible, that that the street thinks that Ford can actually do this, that they will actually do this. Uh, I certainly do. Um, I've been covering Ford for years and have gotten to know a lot of people there. So sometimes I have to stop and say, okay, am I too close to the company here? But, but you know, the Wall Street checks are, are something of a sanity check. I think investors like what's going on here. I think the street likes what's going on here. And I, I, I do think it's a good plan and, and that they have everything they need to execute on it. Uh, and that the early things we've seen, the Mach-E, the electric transit, uh, the F-150 Lightning are, are the kinds of products that we hope for from Ford. Uh, where they are uh, exhaustively well thought out, where they are tailored to um, their audiences extremely well, where they're they're built with some love, and and you know we can smirk at that in the auto business, but you can feel that these are emotional products; they're not just commodities. Uh, you know, building it with some love has always been important in the auto business, and you can always tell when an automaker some of their products are, you know designed and created by enthusiasts who really sweat the details and some are okay we need a small sedan we'll go check that box uh you can really tell that so so i think there is a, a yeah I, I think the plan is credible i've kind of gone in circles here but yeah i think the plan is credible i think they will hit those margins uh you know of course with the asterisk and unless the global economy blows up or whatever might set them off a year or two i mean COVID 19 wasn't anything we expected uh in you know July of 2019 <laughs> and so forth, um, you know a couple of things they didn't hit on yesterday. One of them was uh, during the question answer session. One of the analysts asked about the dividend. Ford suspended the dividend uh, when it closed its factories at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis early last year. Yeah, you know, the question on a lot of investors' minds is when is the dividend coming back? And I think uh, CFO John Lawler gave a really elegant non-answer to that question where, where he was kind of, you know, we're going to do it as soon as we can. Uh, what you think about with Ford is that the family still owns uh, a controlling stake in the company and they really want that dividend. So Ford will do it, but they want to make sure they can fund all these new products and initiatives first. Uh, they did not talk about self-driving. They said there will be a separate event later this year, probably October, November, if I had to guess, uh, to talk about uh, their investment in Argo AI, their roadmap to self-driving and so forth. Uh, you know, they didn't talk a lot about future uh, specific products. Uh, they did They did acknowledge that an electric explorer is coming. Uh, we don't know if a Bronco EV is coming, but we sure think one's coming uh, and so on and so forth. I, I think if you look at what are Ford's iconic and popular products globally, you can kind of figure out where they're going to put the emphasis. The Explorer, the Ranger, the Bronco, um, what they're going to do with the Mustang, meaning the Coupe, I'm not sure. We know a hybrid is coming in the next generation. They may wait till more like 2030 to go fully electric on the Mustang Coupe and offer you know, the Mach-E in the meantime for people who want the electric performance vehicle. Yeah, John, so you've, you've laid out, you know, it looks like Ford has put together a credible strategy and, and, and seems to have uh, you know, some advantages in the markets they're moving into, in particular uh, in, the, in this pro market where they can kind of build out some of these new services. The market, the stock market, has rewarded some of these, uh, some of these uh, uh, plans. So if you look at, at uh, Ford stock this year, year to date, outperforming Tesla and Bitcoin, what do you make of Ford's value today? Do you think it beats Tesla and Bitcoin through the rest of the year? 
Well, here's what I think. I think uh, somebody said this morning that Ford's stock price has doubled since Jim Farley took over in October, the CEO I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's a good reason for that, and that is Ford has honed its story and is telling it better. And we're investors. We love stories. We love a great story. We love a profit growth story. We love a good product story. Uh, product is king in many businesses, including especially auto. We want to see great products uh, that people are signing up for you know, Ford said yesterday they have seventy thousand reservations for the F one fifty Lightning. Uh, that's up from forty four thousand on Friday morning, uh, and we know those forty four thousand were all retail because they didn't open uh, fleet reservations until Monday. Uh, so, so there's there's a lot coming. Uh, I I I talked to a couple of people at Ford last week and. And they said, you know, those converted a high rate on Maki, and people tended to buy highly optioned versions early on. So that'll be good boost to profit. Uh, you know, but but to come back to the question, you know, is the stock a buy here? I think it is. I mean, we look at what is it, fourteen and a half times projected twenty twenty one earnings, but. 2021 earnings, we know they're compromised in the near term because of the chip shortage. Uh, and we've talked about that in the past here, that that uh, Ford, like other automakers, has had to cut production of a lot of its vehicles. Uh, and that's going to be you know, a couple quarters of pain. Uh, if we look out another year, uh, what we think they'll be doing in 2022, 2023, uh, you know, the Ford PE falls to something more like nine or 10, which is uh, quite reasonable, I think, given uh, what Ford has said about how they're moving aggressively into higher margin software offerings, uh, and the, the you know the 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 adjacent offerings that are going uh, beyond just the hardware. Yeah, it's certainly a compelling story, and we'll continue to follow as the company executes on, on these uh, on these plot points uh, going forward, if you will, John. And I'll look forward to have you on the podcast to break it all down. Thanks so much for joining me. All right, thanks. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For John Rosevere, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.